is a CJSR podcast. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Campus and community. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. Radio. Radio and and podcast. (laughs) I don't look Filipino. I don't speak Filipino. And I wasn't really raised in a way where I honored my Filipino-ness. Hey, Mishma. Hey, Jenna. What's the Cheesemies? This is What's the Cheesemies, a show about Pilipinx identity in Edmonton. I'm Mishma Mukith, and the Cheesemies I want to dive into today starts with the big I word, identity. Our identity is made up of so many different aspects. Who we are is linked to what we are, where we are, and how we understand the world around us. To add an extra layer of complexity, how we identify ourselves and how we are identified by those around us are not always on par with each other. I sat down with fellow production teammate Jenna Prop to talk about her journey navigating her identity as a mixed-race individual. As a second-generation, white-passing Filipina, Jenna gets candid about her recent trip to the Philippines and how she's been juggling with her dual identity since. If you could describe Jenna Prop in one sentence, what would that be? Oh, that's a tough one. My therapist asked me to do that last week. Um, In one sentence. Okay, um, I'm Jenna. I was raised in a small town um, in Alberta. My mom is Filipino and my dad is white. Um, And I am a university dropout. I've had a lot of confusion with my cultural identity growing up. And I think even more so just in the past year, um, I still really juggle with it and try and figure it out. I do, I mean, when asked, I do tell people that I'm half Filipino. Um, Growing up, I feel like I was like the most, and this is in quotations, ethnic kid in my class. Um, Just like growing up in a really small town and my mom being one of like the few people of color who I actually like knew in my life was interesting so I always felt a little bit I always identified pretty strongly as Filipino as a kid um, just because like I was different than or I felt that I was different than other kids but um as I like got older and went to like a larger high school that's when it kind of stopped feeling special or it stopped feeling like a significant part of my identity um, just because I don't look Filipino. Um, I, my dad being white and my mom being Filipino, I feel like I am a lot more, I'm white passing. Um, and Filipino is not often when people do the terrible thing of trying to guess my um, background, they never guess Filipino and are often shocked when I do tell them that I'm half Filipino. Um, 
So I think that like looks have a lot to do with it. Just because I don't look Filipino, I don't feel Filipino, even though like I know the food and I know the words. And um, I was basically raised by three Filipino women. I still feel like kind of an imposter when I say that I'm Filipino. Is there a part of you that almost wishes that you did kind of look more Filipino? I, um, yeah, there's definitely points that I have tried to alter my appearance to look more Filipino, which is problematic and so privileged in and of itself. There is so much anti-Blackness in the Philippines and in our communities, and a lot of Filipino people have to use skin whitening agents in order to find employment or to not be discriminated against in their day-to-day lives. And I'm here trying to look more Filipino um, so that way I feel some sort of connection to my culture or so I feel like I look like my mother's daughter. Um, It just shows the amount of privilege that I have as a white passing person in trying to show that I'm something other than white. I don't know, like last year I found myself plucking my eyebrows in a different way that I thought made me look a little bit more Asian or um, I like it in the summer when my skin gets darker because I feel like I look more Filipino. Um, Or even like I have naturally very curly hair and I often straighten it because I feel like the curls don't look Filipino. Like it's, there's a lot of things that I, yeah, there's a lot of things that I do to try and enhance the fact that I'm something other than white, I feel like. Mm-hmm. How did your parents meet? This is actually really funny. Um, I didn't find out about this until last year um, before I was going on a trip to the Philippines when I kind of asked my mom if she could kind of like take me through her life story a little bit before I left on this trip. And um, up until this point, my parents had always told us that they met at a gas station, which if you're going to lie about the way you met, like don't say that it was at a gas station. Like you can come up with something better than that. Um, But I guess what actually happened is my mom was working as a nanny for this family outside of Innisfil. They were a Mormon family who were actually the people who converted her to Mormonism. Um, but she was she was looking for someone. She realized that maybe it was time to put herself out there and meet someone. So this family that she was working for, the mom said, well, why don't you take out an ad in the newspaper and um, just kind of like put yourself out there, say that you're interested in meeting someone or looking for friends and describe yourself and see if you get any responses and she got a ton of responses back she got lots of letters in the mail and one of the last letters she got was from my dad who um he didn't send a picture but he just gave her his phone number and said that she he would like it if she gave him a call sometime and then they went on their first date to the boston pizza in red deer and he was late Oh, no. that's how they met. And they've been married for 
almost 27 years now. That's amazing. And this is the first time you were hearing about this story as you were packing to go yeah. to the Philippines. Yeah. Interesting. Um, by chance, have you ever been able, like, does your mom still have like that letter or anything like that? Or have you been able to kind of talk to your dad? She does. I haven't talked to my dad about it. I feel like it's like this like little secret between me and my mom that she actually told me the way that they met. Um, and I know that she does still have the letter and she still has a newspaper clipping. I, I didn't get to see them, but she has them in a safe at their house. I love that. I almost, I think that it needs to make a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> um, was this your first time visiting the Philippines? No, it wasn't. I had been a number of times as a kid. This was my first time going as an actual, like, adult, so without my parents. And how long were you gone for? I was gone for five weeks. Five weeks. And did this time around, going as an adult, feel any different from the other times that you've been? It definitely did. It's tough to describe. I still feel like I am trying to, like, process this trip. When I first landed, I just remember being so overwhelmed by like the um like the arrivals line because it was just like a lot of like white travelers and a lot of like white people with dreadlocks and um like breezy beachy pants and sandals and I remember standing in line and like thinking I'm wearing greasy pants and sandals. Like I hope that I'm not being looped in with these people. <laughs> um, but I did really feel like I was a white traveler and I was visiting a place that I um, just had no real connection to and that I had just like a lot of privilege going there as like a tropical vacation getaway um, when you know, when like the country is actually very, it's a tough place to live and it's not a place where people can survive easily. So me being in line there and thinking that I fit in with all these other white people who are there to travel and be on vacation just felt, um, just felt really off to me, but it also kind of cemented my dual identity of being half white. My Tito came to pick us up or pick me up. Um, and it was like eight family members in this huge van. And we all had so much luggage to pile in that we did not fit really. <laughs> it was like um, my younger cousin was sitting on top of my aunt's lap. Um, and then the first place that we went with all of our luggage and everything was Jollibee. Um, and as soon as we walked into the Jollibee, my uncle said to me, now you're in the Philippines. And what is Jollibee? Jollibee is a Filipino fast food restaurant um, that primarily serves burgers, spaghetti, and fried chicken, none of which are traditionally Filipino foods. It's just like a product of Western influence and capitalism in the Philippines. It was just weird because as someone who is second gen white passing from Canada, Jollibee is the place that I feel most comfortable in the Philippines. It's air conditioned. People will speak to me in English. I know that there's 
probably going to be toilet paper in the washroom. Um, and I know how to order fast food because it's fast food. It's the same. And yeah, like I feel like my anxieties of being like a traveler in a place that I'm, that I feel like I should be familiar with because it's my background. Um, I'm just most comfortable in Jollibee. <laughs> How do you navigate being, you know, a biracial woman, especially in the context of living in Canada, first of all, but then also when you're visiting back home in the Philippines, like how have the two experiences kind of been? Is one easier than the other? Or can you just walk me through what it feels to be an outsider in, in either culture? When I'm in the Philippines... I feel like I stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, not so much in like Manila, but when I go to um, where my mom grew up, um, which is in the province of Samasplate. But even being here, um, it does get kind of tricky. Like I do feel like I'm racially ambiguous enough to get the question, um, what are you? Or what's your ethnicity? A lot. Um, and people are always shocked when I tell them that I'm half Filipino. So how do you feel about being asked that question? I guess I understand people's curiosity, but also in my opinion, it really doesn't matter. Like I will, I'll tell them if they ask, but at the end of the day, it still bothers me because why is that A, the first question that you're asking me or like, how does that, um, how does that, shape me any differently by you knowing what my like ethnic background is do they try to guess your ethnicity at all or (laughs) what do they usually think you are um I get a lot of Italian I feel like that's the number one thing that I get I also get um indigenous um a lot of like I get a lot of like, are you Hispanic? Are you from South America? Yeah, I've always, whenever I get asked that question, I always like to answer it with, I was born here. And then it's, yeah. always, it's always met with, no, but like, where are you actually from? Right. And I find that that's something that's been more of a universal experience for people who, you know, aren't completely Caucasian. Um, and, and it always unsettles me a little bit because I feel like I have to validate my, my ethnicity on a day-to-day basis with new interactions that I have with people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the difference for me is the fact that I'm white passing. I never get asked where I'm from. I always get asked, what are you? Because I think people do assume that I'm half or people assume that I was born here and that I am like second gen or third gen, but I always get asked, what are you? And I'm never asked, where are you from? Which really shows the privilege that I have as being able to identify as Filipino, but not having my citizenship questioned. I think the one thing that really 
there's one thing that really like separates me from my Filipino identity and makes me feel really inauthentic when I talk about being Filipino is when I do get those questions of like, what's your background or what are you? And I say that I'm half Filipino and those people are shocked or taken aback or I've even gotten a couple of times like, oh no, you aren't. But um, the second question that people always, always, always ask me is, do you speak Tagalog? And my answer to that is no. So I feel like already just not looking Filipino and then having the follow-up question of not being able to speak the language, I feel like that just really sets me, it makes me feel really distant from my Filipino identity. I think for a very long time, I never really understood why my mom didn't want to raise us to be Filipino. Um, and it was until I went to this, the Philippines this last time where one of my aunts told me that it was because she didn't want my sister and I to face any sort of discrimination, um, which hit kind of different, but also um, just like, my mom left the Philippines when she was 19. So, you know, like, I feel like I haven't really made any sort of effort to connect to, like, my, um, it's like my personal ties with my culture until now. And even now, I'm so fresh and new at it, and I have no idea what I'm doing or, like, if I'm doing it properly. When would you say you feel the most connected to your Filipino heritage? I think when I'm eating or when I'm cooking, I cook a lot of, um, I try to cook a lot of like Filipino dishes or dishes that my mom would have cooked when I was a kid. Um, but also I recently just like met a good group of Filipino friends and even though I don't speak the language and I don't get a lot of the jokes. Just like being around them has formed this sort of community where like I do feel a sense of belonging in like a Filipino space. Like knowing that there are people who speak Tagalog and people who don't speak Tagalog or um, I think just like knowing that we all fit in under the same light of we're all Filipino. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give, you know, another biracial identity who's maybe having that conflict of not feeling like they belong in either of those cultures? What would you tell them? Um, what I tell myself is you're not an imposter for wanting to be a part of a culture that is yours. <laughs> Like that's your heritage, that's your lineage. Like those are your ancestors. Your ancestors will be proud of you. Where do you stand right now when you identify yourself? Um, in all honesty, most days I still struggle with my cultural identity. I There are some days where I feel like I don't really belong here and I'm taking up too much space and I don't look the part, so why am I trying to act the part? Um, and then there are other days where I want 
so badly to feel more connected to my mom and my titas and my titos and my lolas and my lolos and my ancestors who have worked so hard to pass these traditions and parts of this culture down to me. And I think that it's important for if my sister were to ever have kids or if I were to ever have kids, for them to feel a connection to it in something deeper than Jollibee. And I know that I have so much to learn from my friends and from my from my family and especially from my mom. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for taking the time out. You know, not only working on your own episodes within this podcast, but also really kind of being vulnerable and talking about how identity comes into play in your own life. I really appreciate you taking the time and really talking to us about that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Anytime. Okay. Well, take care. Take care. What's the Chismis is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. Today's episode was produced by me, Mishma Mukith. Thanks to Jenna Prop for sharing her story and experiences. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and on our website, whatsthecheesemeese.transistor.fm. And on Facebook and Instagram at whatsthecheesemeese. That's what's the T-S-I-S-M-I-S. You can also email us at cheesemeese at cjsr.com. Thanks for tuning in. Salamat!